Simmons. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Welcome back to the 11th episode of the Lunchtime Catch-Up, where two blokes that have known each other for 30-odd years get together and talk about all things sport with a bit of an Essendon focus. Um, Scotty's back from a, uh, a brief holiday in Southeast Asia somewhere, sunning himself, drinking uh, cocktails. Uh, cocktails, lovely, by the beach. And uh, we're back with a, uh, a special episode today. Um, we've got a great, um, uh, a great guest on the show, uh, Mr. Rowan Connolly. Um, he's on today, so I'll hand it over to you, Scotty. Yeah, uh, we're really excited to have Rowan on. Um, I've obviously been following Rowan for a long time now. We're, I'm in my 40s as well. So um, uh, we're both sort of uh, Essendon, I guess, people. Um, but uh, obviously Rowan said, is it 30 years, Rowan, quickly? Uh, what, with, in the with, with the age? Oh, 30 years with the age, yeah. yeah. I've, been, um, I've been in various journalistic jobs for 35 now, yeah. Oh, wow. wow. So, um, obviously, uh, two or three months ago, you started up Footyology, um, which I've loved myself, um, and then the podcast, which I can highly recommend to others. Um, so, look, obviously, with that Footyology, um, you've been writing a little bit about Essendon. What we wanted to do today is just talk about sort of Essendon 2017. Um, I guess I wanted to start off just having a discussion. I found it interesting on social media sort of pre-Sydney game and, and I guess after the Sydney game, there was, a, I guess, a lot of uh, fanfare and hype about us getting into the finals um, with fans. And, and I even felt that from the club and players as well. And then after the Sydney game, I actually noticed, I don't know if you have, Rowan, um, a, a bit of a, a break-off from fans who have had that kind of pain since 2001 about that mediocrity and, and performance in finals. Did you feel the same way? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, look, I'm probably I'm a bit of a, a Scrooge, I think, with my expectations of them. So I don't feel like I was sort of particularly upbeat all season, really. Um, and, yeah, look, I think probably the older fans who, you know, got used to premierships and stuff and um, have reasonably high expectations, you know, they were probably, I think, rightfully felt let down after another final stinker. Um I guess how I feel is sort of, you know, I think the goalposts have shifted a bit. I don't think you can claim making the finals as necessarily that successful a year anymore. I mean, let's be honest, you half the comp virtually gets into the finals and <laughs> yeah. you can get into the finals winning, you know, a little bit more than half your game. So, you know, it was an okay year. I, I don't think it was a great year. And I, I felt in some cases, you know, there were some opportunities they could have had that weren't necessarily taken. So, but, you know, like I say, I mean, older generations who, you know, sort of got used to regular finals and premierships and grand finals and whatever, uh, maybe we were spoiled. But, um, geez, it's been a long time, 17 years. You know, it's, uh, yeah. I grew up, I grew up. Um, not having seen an Essendon flag since the year of my birth for 19 years, so we're not we're not far off that <laughs> equal longest drought in the club's history. So Just wouldn't sounds... mind seeing a bit wouldn't mind seeing a bit more success before I start pushing up daisies. You know? <laughs> sounds bad when you say it like that, Ron. <laughs> so I, look, one thing I found interesting during the year was the critical moment of that Brisbane game, and I actually found it. Um, the Xavier tweet afterwards, I actually found it refreshing. Um, he, his criticism, I guess, 
of that performance. Now, I was probably a little bit frustrated he went back on that uh, because we actually played our best footy for the next <clears throat> month. Like, we won for the next five. And I just wonder, did he realise that that actually maybe did sting the club a bit and put him into action and that sometimes it's, it's needed to have that kind of strong leadership? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, that was a really significant moment. Um, and I, I feel like you did. I, I thought, you know, it was a pretty benign sort of tweet, I thought. I mean, I, without quoting it verbatim, it was basically saying, you know, not nearly good enough. You know, we've got to do better or something. And I thought, well, fair enough. If you can't say that, what can he say? And then to hear that um, you know, some players were less than pleased about it and he basically went back and apologised. I mean, I, I cringed a bit, to be honest, when that happened. And that, to me, uh, and again, you know, this is sort of the grumpy old man in me coming out, but that, to me, seemed to be a reflection of, um, you know, how the, the club's aspirations have really reduced over the years. You know, I mean, once upon a time, you know, back in the glory days, no one would have thought twice about someone connected with the club have you know giving the players a bit of a clip if their performance was unsatisfactory and yeah for him to, for him to sort of feel obliged to apologize I thought that was embarrassing to be honest and that's probably my you know my single biggest criticism of the club and it's a difficult thing to pin down you know like you, you can't even necessarily pin it on particular people but I just feel like the longer that the club goes without real sort of success um the lower the aspirations become and and the sort of more oversensitive the club becomes and i, I really sort of feel like the whole club in a way needs to take a, a dose of concrete and harden up a bit mm. <laughs> I, I can't disagree with you there Ron. i mean it's to what xavier said i thought was totally appropriate i think he probably thought about that tweet before <clears throat> he sent it he could have he could have teed off koshi style um but i think he uh I think he put in a measured response, and I was yeah, I, was, I too was quite disappointed um, in him having to um, to recant it. But um, Ron, can I ask you a question? I just want to play devil's advocate for a moment. I'm looking at your, your article, your um, footyology article on the Bob on the Bombers having a, a Bob each way, and I oh yeah, um, yep. in your in your article you mentioned that the the older players coming back in. Um, may have sort of sacrificed the ability to to grow younger players like we got the opportunity to do um, in the previous year. Um, yeah. I guess the, the devil's advocate that I've got for that is that we, we all know what happened. We all know that the players wanted to come back and to, to have a club that was competitive, Xavier and, the, and everybody that brought them back did a great job to get those guys to come back to a club that, was, that had treated them the way they did. But I guess my question is, is that I wonder what... Xavier's point of view is is that if he didn't play Job because they probably knew he was pretty much spent halfway through the year if they didn't play Job so that they could bring in Kobe much or somebody like that if they didn't play Stanton throughout the whole year if they did I just wonder what that would have done for the reputation and the longevity of the name Watson and Stanton within Essendon because I wonder who the next player is going to be on the wall at um, at Tullamarine in a painting. Is it going to be Job's um, photo up there taking down, not sorry, taking down Simon Baddens, but has he? do you think he had to, to take into account the fact that we need these legends of the club coming through and if he didn't play them, their season and the, the, the part of their career might have been defined by that um, the drag scandal? 
Um, oh, yeah, look, I certainly understand that point of view. I re- Watson might be a, a more extreme example because, look, he, you know, he, he wasn't playing well. There's no question about that. But even I felt like in performance terms, he, his performances were still perhaps better than a, a couple of others. Um, and it was always going to be difficult sort of trying to bring those guys back. And, you know, I, I reckon... I reckon I acknowledge that. My, my thing was, as much as it was about, you know, giving more kids opportunities, it was about the mixed messages. So, for example, you know, they played Howlett for, what, you know, half a dozen games or yeah. something. They played, yeah. Hocking played <clears throat> one early and then the last one. Um, Stanton played early and then got dropped. So they were prepared to make some tough decisions. But then if... if <sighs> If they weren't going to play kids, they were going to play experienced players and the aim was, yeah, we want to make finals and be as competitive as possible in the here and now. What I couldn't understand was uh, the ignoring of other players with sort of senior pedigrees, a la Craig Bird, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not sort of waving the banner for Craig Bird, but the fact is his form at VFL level was consistently good and there are a number of games where midfielders from opposition sides got away from them and that sort of run with role that he has done particularly well would have been really handy so why why didn't they play him then you know um i guess to a lesser extent someone like sean mckernan i reckon you could look at someone like that i I thought there were games where he might have played and been useful but instead they didn't so i felt like they tried to have a bob each way they tried to you know develop kids to a point but then um, you mentioned the Brisbane game. It's funny, I, I thought that um, Kyle Langford was a real sort of sacrificial lamb after that game. Absolutely, I, I, actually, I agree. Yeah, I actually, I remember coming away from that game and thinking, I actually said to my daughter, who I was, I was sitting in the outer that day, it was my first day in the outer for years and years, um, and it was, a, it was an experience, I can tell you, but I, I came away and, said to my daughter, I said, I don't reckon Langford was that bad. And he got dropped after that. Um, yeah, Lang- Langford's so, an interesting one for me. I don't, I don't understand what that kid needed to do to get more games this year. Yeah, well, you know, the, I mean, the word was uh, trying to develop his, his midfield talents in the VFL. But I'm a bit sceptical about the VFL as a developing ground anyway. I mean, you know, a guy can play a whole season there and get 40 touches a week in the midfield and then come into the AFL. And it's, it's just such a a huge jump now, a much bigger jump than it used to be, that all that sort of learning experience might come to nothing. Um, similarly, I, I reckon, and people might doubt this, but I've seen it happen. You know, there are some guys who don't look particularly good at that level, but then you throw them in at a higher level and they rise to the occasion. And a good example of that for me was someone like um, Aaron Francis. You know, now we kept hearing, he's not fit enough, he's not fit enough. Well, couldn't he have got fit playing AFL footy as well as VFL footy? I mean, I'd, I'd still, I'd rather have an Aaron Francis in the AFL side running out of gas, but occasionally pulling out a bit of brilliance here and there than a more senior player who isn't ever going to reach the heights he is, but who might win a few more possessions per game, if that makes sense. And I, I just yeah. think, to me, this sort of continues a trend that Essendon's had for a long, long time now of... Getting young kids into the system, giving them not giving them continuity, so they have a game here, a game there, and they're up and back and up and back between the VFL and the AFL. They don't play enough senior footy so that 
rather than having a decent idea of whether they're up to it or not within one or two years, five years down the track, you're still not really sure. And that what that, you know that worries me with well Langford and Laverde. Uh, Laverde particularly, they're yeah. both what three years now. Do yeah. we really know if they can cut it at AFL level? I think no. Like, yeah. do, do we do we know they definitely can't? No, we don't. You know, and I think I think if you look at the continually successful clubs of the modern era, they do that. That whole development process works much more quickly than Essendon has made it work. Well, I think it's interesting with Langford, especially only playing six games this year. I, I kind of feel like we've now got ourselves into a position where we are obviously um, saying goodbye to some you know, big sort of midfield names. And there's no doubt that's the weakest area of Essendon right now. So if going to 2018, you've, we've, we've missed a big chance, chance with Langford not getting more games in the midfield this year to be actually ready to take over from a Joe next year. So, yep. No, well, that's that's exactly that's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's it, it's very strange to me how they've done Langford this year. Um, I just feel like 2018. I know there's a lot of fans that are quite hype about it. I still have large concerns um, with bringing in, I guess, kids who've now got very little senior games in sort of Langford, Laverde, these kind of guys. And they're going to be inconsistent again because we just haven't given them... They haven't got to 50 games. So mm. so that's my concern. I, I, I see the midfield, uh, depending on what happens on trade week, still being a, a quite a big concern. Um, no doubt now the kids are going to get more game time, but have we missed the boat a bit in 2017? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm not... To be honest, uh, brutally honest, I'm not that bullish about the prospects for next year at all. Um, you know, I think I think the list is okay. I don't think it's great. You know, I think the forward, I think the forward setup's pretty good. You know, they got the runs on the board. Um, I thought Stewart really took some strides. Um, you know, still got my doubts about Hooker playing up there permanently. I think the small forward thing, you know, when they're all there together as a group, I think that works well. But the midfield is a huge concern. Uh, I mean, you know, they're too slow and they got smashed for contested ball and clearances all year. And the back line, which was a bit of a strength, that now is worrying me a bit too. I mean, you've got even Hurley, I thought, towards the end of the year, just started to taper off a bit, you know, became... You know, not only that, he became sort of too offensive and sort of forgot what his main job remit is um, and beyond him in terms of key position, I'm not convinced necessarily about Michael Hartley um, you know so where, where else do you go after that Mitch Brown? Uh, well, I don't actually, know I, I, personally, <laughs> I personally think Ambrose is a very good defender, like they've turned him into a, a, a quite a good defender I think the injury he had mid-year which was long term Pretty much hurt that second half of the year because I thought he. Was yeah, actually... I, don't, I don't think I don't think he's a key defender though, and I no, think that no. was that was pretty much shown up uh, in the elimination final. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. 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 I I, I still think here yeah, for a second and third, I think he's quite good. Um, Hurley's an interesting one. Um, I, I just have this feeling with Happel and Hurley, some of those guys. Now that they're going to get that second preseason, I I still think there's upside on how they're going to come out. Like, I actually expect Happel to be a much better player next year with that sort of 
<clears throat> whether it's better match conditioning is the word, but just with that second preseason, because to me the Collier Myers, um, Heps, they, there's no doubt that 12 months really affected their consistency and form. Um, so yeah. I, I expect some upside on that part, but I, I, I to me look at the look at the side and and I, I personally go, Gee, we may have to change things up here and and I. And a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I, I actually see a guy like Fantasia, and I understand he's he's a dynamic forward. But say if you, by any chance, do happen to bring in a stringer, <clears throat> do you then change the makeup of the team around a bit? Do you add some run in the midfield and say, "Hey, Fantasia, start to build yourself up in the preseason a bit stronger, uh, and start being a bit of a run run player in the midfield for us to help us to get some speed and and a little bit of class, to be honest, to the forwards." Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think you know one of the things they chronically lack is pace, but they need they need numbers as well. I mean, it's okay to you know people are talking about oh they might get Josh Kelly and it would have been great if they did, but it's it's got to be more than just one. I, I think yeah. um, you, you need a deep midfield. You need uh, I, I, at a minimum, I reckon you need probably eight guys capable of rotating through the midfield during a game, and I don't think Essendon has it. Um, and I think, look, I'm a big fan of David Myers and Travis Collier, and I, <clears throat> you know they're great guys too. I, I really genuinely like them as as people, but mm. they both had shockers, to be perfectly honest. And I, I hope what you're saying is right that you know another preseason under their belts and a full year of competitive hitouts will improve them. But um, you know they've both been in the system a fair while now, so you know like. Uh, haven't got all day, boys. Probably time to start uh, playing <laughs> yeah. to your best, you know. And I guess one of the that's one of my questions. I look at Myers and and he looks like he came back uh, fit. He looks he's a six two, six three sign of unit. What when you said we we need those eight guys? I mean, at the moment we've got the players that we've got. We've got some guys retiring. What what do you see as our first priority for a midfielder? I understand that that's speed and that's fine, but do we need? another inside mid because we, we were getting smashed um, in Sydney. I mean, that's what I thought Meyer's job was. So do we mm. not, do we put him on a wing or do we put him on a forward flank or something like that and go and get some more inside mids to help that run? Or if, if you had to pick two players that you could sort of move into Essendon that would be the, the kind that we need, who would they be? Well, one, I, I think they're both equally important, those qualities. So one, one would be a bullish inside mid who... You know, I mean, if you could pick any player in the league, uh, I'd pick Josh Kennedy, um, and I'd pick yeah. on the outside probably Josh Kelly. Mm. Um, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, but <laughs> no. I, but I think I think they're both both those priorities are as important as each other because I think that the pace is awful uh, and it's all loaded up in the the front end, which is exactly why someone like Fantasia's got to go into the midfield. So. I, I don't know how keen I am on, on the idea of Stringer, but if he does go to Essendon, and people say, well, he could play as a, a midfielder, yeah, that's that's not the story I'm told from people who've played with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, I'd be inclined to, yeah, he sort of replaces Fantasia in the forward setup, Fantasia goes midfield, but you're right, you know, you, you can't use your pace unless you can win the ball, and they just don't win enough of that contested ball. So they're both, they're both priorities, but you know, assuming, um, you know, look, you, you'd hope they're going to be really, really active in the trade period, far more active than they've been before. Because yeah. if they're not, they can go out and pick these sort of players up at the draft. 
but they're not going to be ready to yeah. play to make a real impact at the stoppages in AFL footy for one or two years at the very least. So what happens in the meantime? So it gets back to my point. I think the list is okay, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's fantastic. I think there's a, a heap of work still to be done. Yeah. Uh, look, there is, when I look at the list, I, I mean, obviously I go to the VFL quite a few times. So I see guys like Dylan Clark and I just wonder about <clears throat> his sort of um, development because um, he's obviously an inside kind of clearance machine. I should say that because he's only played one year, but that's that's his, I guess, reputation from Buick who he was coached coached him. So I don't know how fast they can develop these guys, but I mean, obviously they haven't played AFL yet, but these are the guys I'm going to be looking at closely in 2018, if, even if in the VFL. Um, the guys in the, when we're talking about the back line, I, I must admit, I don't know if you, how much you've seen of Ridley, but... He's a guy that had a back issue for most of the year, but when he did play at the end, it was one of those guys that um, you may, you'll may you probably get this as well, Rowan. That he may have only got 15, 20 touches, but you go, damn, they were really impressive. Like he, he, yeah. had, he, just, had, he just had that, oh, this kid's got a real gift. Um, I think this kid's going to be a very, very, very good player. So he's one I'm sort of keeping my eye on next year as, a, I guess, a, a floating half-back intercept mark kind of option. Um, I, I, so I think there's there's some talent there. I, Kobe March is an interesting one. He can't. He's a hard one to read for me. Um, uh, he gets the ball a lot, but he. I'm just trying to work out what his actual real weapon is. But um, but there's a few there's a few kids like that, and obviously Aaron Francis. Um, he, from all reports, are. Um, I know, I know a little bit about Aaron because I'm a, a player sponsor for him, so I can, I've caught up and had dinner with him. And, and he has a, a, a pretty much burning desire, from what I know, um, this year to pretty much not have a break and and, um, and, and get himself a, a proper sort of um, gym, <laughs> a Joe Watson kind of boxing routine where he can come back fully fit. So that'll be a very interesting, his development next year because I think he's... I just, a, actually, just, just I, I have to chip in and put my journalist hat on and ask an obvious question at this point, which yep. is that what's he been doing the last couple of pre-seasons if we're still talking about getting getting fit? Well, what happened, he actually had a very similar approach last year, um, and I actually do know this. Uh, so what had happened, he was actually not too bad come Christmas time. Um, mm. I'm not sure if he came back well after that Christmas break. Uh, as probably everyone would have liked. And then out of that, he um, then had an injury which took him out all of January and then things just snowballed from there. Um, and that's that's sort of where he's at, he, where if he's not taking care of himself, he gets he gets these three or four-week injuries and he gets no continuity and, and just nothing gets better. Um, so that key point this year where he probably had about 10 games in a row in the VFL, um, I, it, his body started to... to to sort of take a different shape because he was training a bit more harder off the field. I, I do know that. So he actually started to get a little bit fitter. So that was, in some ways, you're right. He, he was a good time for him to actually get a bit of senior action because he, he actually could play at senior level probably, you know, two or three quarters quite solidly instead of just one. Um, yeah. Look, the, the other observation I'd make on, on the list in recruiting, you know, it's easy to sort of, you know, sit in the cheap seats and make those observations, but they do seem to recruit an inordinate number of players who are half-back slash half-forward flanker types. Yeah. I just, I just sort of question the wisdom of that to begin with because I would have thought if you go out and just get 
people will say, well, you can't just go and get a whole draft full of midfielders. And my response to that's sort of like, well, why not? Because (laughs) if you start with a midfielder, you've got someone who may be able to play midfield, but even if they can't, well, then you can turn them into a flanker. Whereas I think it's a lot harder to go from, you know, sort of playing your footy as a flanker to be trained up into a midfield role. I mean, the you know, the uh, sort of endurance and stamina and, and hardness required for starters. So do you, you understand the point I'm making? That I, yeah. I think, um, I don't know why they have that sort of hasn't been the philosophy more because as long as I can remember now, like even back in 2000, not that that side had an Achilles heel as such, but if you said, what is the least strong point of that Essendon lineup? It was the midfield, midfield yeah. you know. It was so it's sort of it's been a recurring theme for a long time, and to be, you know, cranky old man again, I'm sick of it. Well, it's interesting because you, I mean, even even people talking today, like saying, oh, you know, Laverde, Langford, or what if Stringer comes in? We could all make them a midfielder, but they're not naturally midfielders. Correct. They're, they're forwards. They're, they're going. Yeah, they have a body that maybe can be a modern day <clears> midfielder, but. You're starting from then day one yep. in- instead of a 12-year-old learning a midfield craft and going yeah. through the whole TAC and, and being natural Sam Mitchell kind of Sam Mitchell kind of midfielders who it's the, it's their actual gift. Um, yep. That's, that's where I'd like us to concentrate on as a club, especially this year in trading in, or drafting. Pick up natural ball-winning midfielders. <laughs> it's a bit like yep. Dar- Darcy Parrish. I mean, the, the kid's a midfielder. We've played him in the midfield, and he's come along really well. Like, he's, he's, he played that year when, um, when he had to um, a lot, and he's learnt the midfield, playing in the AFL as a midfielder, and it's worked wonders for him. Did he, did he spend enough time in the midfield this season, though? I sort of got my uh, doubts about that as well. He, yeah. he, he had a bit of a forward flank role sometimes, didn't he, um, where they sort of kicked him out. Um, so mm. I'm not sure he was totally in the in the, in the guts, as I would say, uh, all the time. But, um, look, um, <laughs> time's sort Did of... Is he going to have everyone turning off in droves listening to my summation of Essendon? <laughs> no, 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 mate. Look, what... there's obviously, you know, even even in your articles and your comments, I mean, we, we all agree Essendon took a big step forward, um, especially off the field. I thought, yeah, I thought it was led brilliantly this year, and that's my honest submission. I was very, very proud of the the inclusiveness of the club, the way they marketed, the way they interacted, um, their professionalism. Um, <clears throat> so, look, no doubt. I think I think it'd be a very harsh person to say there wasn't a lot of boxes ticked this year. Um, no, no, I, I agree with that. And I think it had to, you know, I think they had to reach out to supporters who'd, who'd gone through it as well. And they had to reach out to players and they had to be sort of warm and fuzzy. And now I think that that's been done. Now I think it's probably time they sort of turned into hard asses again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a, uh, okay, let's let's do a bit of an 80s, 80s 90s Essendon <laughs> yeah and it's, um, it's going to be interesting for our listeners in that um Scotty and I are very pro Essendon and we we potentially don't think um about the the ways that we could improve we're, we're very positive along the lines but I think your, your point is is really well made in that there's I can't believe after all the administrations that we've gone through that that like what you said is that we, we still are putting in these mediocre performances. But I, I guess with Wusher having a year that you just can forget with nobody playing for him, and this is his first year with an actual team, 
then you get the the problems with everybody coming back and now Job leaving and it's going to be it was hard for the man. So I'm really looking forward to next year to to get much clearer air and to to perform really well. But I just thought we're getting pretty close to time, so. What I thought we'd just do is just ask you one last um, quick question, Ron, and that who do you think is going to play in the GF and why? Um, good question. And uh, I haven't even sort of got around to my tips yet, so you put me on the spot. But <laughs> doggies? Look, um, doggies? Off- oh, not the doggies. Um, the Tigers, have they got a chance? No, I'm pretty sure the doggies don't have a chance. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, look, off, off the top of my head, um, I'm going to stick with Adelaide. I've, I've really underestimated them at the start of the year, but I, I think they've played the best standard of football of any side this year. Yeah. Um, I think everyone's a bit more vulnerable than other top sides that we've been used to, so that might colour people's perception a bit, but their best football has been, for me, uh, a cut above everyone else's. And I think I think they're on a bit of a mission too, you know. Um, they've had a few finals failures, you know, and it's been two decades since the last flag. And I've got to be honest, I've got, I've got no connection to that club. Uh, you know, I don't have South Australian relatives or whatever, but <laughs> I'd be wrapped for them to win it because I think when you think about everything they've been through, you know, not many yeah. sides have their coach murdered. Um, yeah. You know, they got hit by the salary cap. They've lost the succession of really good players. And they just keep bouncing back. You know, they are a great club. And I think Don Pike's been a wonderful coach. And I think they play a great, attractive brand of footy. So, um, and they I'd lost like... Dangerfield. Yeah, and they lost Dangerfield yeah, too. Uh, well, no, there's, there's a, a, several more where he came from. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I, I think they'll prove. I think Geelong will push them. But I think Adelaide's good enough to win and get through. The other one, yeah, look... You know, if you had asked me halfway through the year, I would have said GWS every day of the week. Yeah. But I, I just don't think they've ever, you know, they were good on Saturday night, but I just don't think they've ever completely hit their straps this year. And the Tigers, yeah, they are a bit like the Bulldogs of last year. They're just, you know, the, all the momentum's there and the emotion's there and they've really channeled it to work for them. And, and they've been fantastic because I, I think in terms of natural talent, if you look at, the four 22s that are left yeah. they're probably oh, number three I reckon I reckon Adelaide and GWS have both got more talent but they're a brilliant team and um, you know, they play a really finals type brand of footy too hard and contested and um, and that crowd uh, I mean it's just going to it'll be the most one sided finals crowd the MCG's ever seen it's going to be <laughs> ridiculous no, so it's going to be great I, I think that's worth a few goals so I'm tipping Adelaide Richmond to get through, um, and then right off the top of my head, yeah. Look, I'll, I'll stick with Adelaide. I reckon Adelaide can win it. I'm, by, I'm a bit the same. By a long way or a short way? <laughs> oh, not not a lot. Not okay. a lot. You know, I think uh, yeah, I think the Tigers. You know, Tigers are definitely a, a big chance. But if if talent is to win out, pure talent, uh, I'd stick with the Crows. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much. I think we've kept you over time. Um, Ron, we really appreciate you uh, you coming on to our little dinky podcast um, and, uh, and give us your honest opinion. So uh, thank you very much for coming on. I know all the listeners will absolutely love to hear this. Uh, no worries, guys. Pleasure. Thanks heaps, Ron. So much appreciate it, mate. No, no, no problem at all. That was Ron Conley from Footyology. Um, so many th- things we could take out of that. Absolutely. There's a million more questions we could have asked him. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah, we uh, we definitely held him over time, but, and we really appreciate it. But there's there was a million questions we could have asked him. He uh, he did sort of mention that he was he went a little negative, but 
that's 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 the, the article we were talking about. He's got some strong views on Essendon and and right or wrong. I think he's got a couple of points. I think there are opposing arguments for things that he said, but I think he's got a bit yeah. of a point. And being being like us, being um, people who went through the eighties and nineties, we we do see the. Um, I guess the, the the part where we want the club to get better and improve. Um, I guess a, a little bit in context this year, it's it's has a slight difference um, with obviously nineteen new players added to the team and everything like that. Yeah. So I, I must admit I, I'd put that in a little bit of context. But but yeah, I I we've always preached on this show that we want Essendon to be get back to its ruthlessness, um, yeah, to agree. be uh, fully professional on field and. Um, that's what I'll be looking for for next year. And look, I have some confidence it's it's going to happen, but um, I, I still really want Essen to take that next level and, and that really big step of being our top four club again. And um, and like we said last week, for it, when we grew up, final series was just the start of the year. Yeah, we we expected to get through to the second and third rounds. Yeah. Um, so. Look, today we had some announcements, some coaching announcements, um, all interesting. Um, I can see Skipworth getting uh, going to from a forward to midfield role, uh, which I must admit, Skipworth, I think unnecessarily gets a, a bit of flack. But, but has he done anything wrong? He, like, I think he had a s- slowish start, um, but this year he's really come on well, and 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 the forward set up, and and I can. It's not just personnel that's helped him out it's um i noted today uh, with a few guys on twitter that it's stewart hooker and uh, and joey uh, you never saw them hardly bumping into each other or going for similar marks and that's actually then good coaching because yeah. it tells you that their setup is correct they coach well they have an understanding of each of the tall forwards and chucking a couple of small forwards around there as well Arazio got um a whole heap of goals waller got a heap of goals joey did well really well I, I Hayden Skipworth has been around for ages at Essendon, and he was—he's been the VFL coach, he's been line coaches. They obviously see something in that guy, and and, and, and under Hurdy, Bomber, and and um, Bushar. Yeah. So I mean, that's the three coaches. Retain, who, yeah, you don't who, get retained yeah. like that unless you can coach. Yeah, and then some of them are big, big names. Bomber's a Premiership coach. Yeah. Bush is a Premiership coach. Absolutely. And Hurdy's a, a legend. He's <laughs> a legend. But speaking of Busher, I guess one thing I want for next year is that sometimes the the decisions that Busher's made. They've some people haven't understood, and me being one of them. I mean, why we had Heath Hocking, who's been one of the best taggers that the clubs had. Why he didn't um, play on some of these really dangerous midfielders, and why we didn't bring Craig Berg in, like um, like Rowan said. Um, sometimes maybe he's trying to find his feet, but. I hope next year, if Wush has got a plan for the likes of Langford into the midfield or something along those lines, that he he implements it. And then he talks about it openly and says, yep, Kyle Langford um, played a lot in the VFL last year. He got leather poisoning from the amount of um, um, <laughs> yeah. from touches that he got. We didn't play him as much because we wanted him in the VFL, learning what the, the, the feeling of the midfield was like day after day. And so this year you're going to see him in the midfield. And we're going to do this with Orazio Fantasia or we're going to put McGrath goes into the middle and that he's, that he's open with um, those questions that supporters have. Because I think even sort of with Rowan's, uh, case it can breed a little discontent um, with the way the season ends if you don't really understand and can't buy into what Wush is planning. Yeah. So I, I hope next year he comes out with a really clear message um, 
the man can coach clearly, and he's he's coached us into a final. And I guess that's that old eighties and nineties sort of mentality step. again. It's a good first step, man. So let's give him some. Let's give him another another year. Let's see what he does. Let's see what these players do. Darcy Parish is going to get another twenty four games, um, and Arazio will be will be better for the run. All those sort of things. Aaron Francis has got an entire um, preseason to get better. There's a lot, a lot of upside. Yep. I do like his messaging, though. He has a constant message of the club has to have elite standards. Yeah. I do like that driving message. That's one point I disagree with, Rowan. I, I yeah. disagree with, with putting um, Aaron Francis in the side and getting him fit whilst playing in the AFL. The AFL side and the, the, the first side at any AFL club, you should be physically fit to get there. You should be you should meet physical standards and I don't think through injury or through whatever's going on with, with Aaron, he just he didn't make the physical standards. The man can't run out the game. So talent undeniable. Um Well then yeah, then you have to have the question is how do the other players feel that uh, yeah. a players getting games that's not fit. And that's 100% agree. that's the counter argument um, when we talked about the devil's advocate before. Yeah. That's the counter argument is is also the message it may send. But um, I I kind of sort of understand weirdly both points. So James Kelly, um, so rapt to hear that he's staying at the club so in a performance developing kind of role. I think that's a great great appointment. Um, so I'm thrilled the club went with that. Instant I know I, I know Andy McGrath's a very happy man today. Yeah. Um, because look, don't forget he's a quality midfielder. And that's that's where I, personally I want him in those developing drills. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> in our young mids, um, I want him teaching. I mean, McGrath's going to be moved to the midfield. Um, Has that so, been announced? Is that official? Like, well, the club did say yeah he he would start preseason as a okay. training in the midfield right. group. So it's it's kind of suggested highly. Um, you would say yeah, <laughs> um, I understand. But that's where you want James Kelly and Andy um, together. So I'm really wrapped with that appointment. Um, uh, I think Corrigan got moved as a as a forward type role. Yeah, he's a development coach. It's a, I think that's a that's a, a tick for Paul. I we mean, had him on the show, so we we uh, we it, had him on the show. Yeah, and, so. and not 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 surprisingly, as soon as he came on this show, he gets promoted. So yeah, that's, that's the feedback so that's strong. Way it goes. Yeah. Um, Rowan Connolly will probably get another two or three thousand um, Twitter followers from being on our show tonight. Clearly, yeah. anywho, two um, or three, yeah, two, two or three. <laughs> um, no, good good old congratulations to Paul. Um, Great guy when we spoke to him has uh, has clearly um, impressed and, and he's now getting a uh, a gig in the in the senior side so well done there. Um, Harves retains the back line. Yeah, all good. He's he's working with it as well, which is great. Um, and uh, I do like that they settled it fast because everyone now yeah. knows the, the role and it's absolutely still September two thousand sixteen. They'll all be meeting between now so, and the um, start of preseason. Yeah, when they come back, they'll have a coaching panel that's established, in done, and until the guys come back. So also today, um, Essendon said that you may not even know this too, Grant. I'm sorry that that <laughs> there'll be guys. four players going into surgery. Um, which is actually a really good result because um, that's actually a low number for a whole list for off-season surgeries. Probably the longest one was Hurls, um, which they sound like he he's going to get two arthroscopes, which is not really overly that serious. One on the hip and, and one on the cleanup. Yeah, so sort of cleanups, but they did say that he probably start running in um, in December, so it'd be right around Christmas and then pretty much have a whole preseason. The others was Lawnberger, um 
And now I'm just trying to think of the others now. Um, ah, you brought it up. <laughs> I brought it up and I've got to remember the names. <laughs> uh, well, Lomboga, I know, was pretty much straight back in. Um, I'll remember the other two names as I keep talking. Nice word. <laughs> well, I had, well, you have a think about it. I'll go on to what I thought I saw on the, on the net today was um, uh, Langford and Laverde still at the club, still working out. Now, a lot's been said about Langford and a lot's been said about Laverde and where do they fit in and are we going to play him? What, what are we going to do? I tell you what, mate, I'm not quite sure, and even as a as a demonstration by um, Langers today, quite what Kyle Langford needs to do to get a game in that senior side. Seriously. Like, he did this last year as well. So he did it last year commitments. and it, it's paid dividends. The, the, the kid's massive. He's 6'2", six, 6'3", six, or whatever he is. Um and he's got an engine now. He's been playing in the midfield. Um, and to see him still working out, that is just that is just an absolute clear message um, to the Essendon Footy Club that that kid is committed and yeah. wants a game. And same for Laverde as well. I mean, the, he had an injury-interrupted um, season. But every time that guy picks up a heavy thing and puts it down again, he is going to... That incredible body of his, he is going to get fitter and fitter and fitter. And I reckon... There's a, there's a diamond in there. I can see it. I'm not sure through the midfield. I'm really not. I just think... He did play some time in there as a junior, so I'll be interested to see how that how it develops. But again, I'm talking to Rowan, mate. Let the forwards be forwards. Yeah. Let the half forwards well, be depends. half forwards. He played... I, I, I must admit, when I said it to Rowan, I was like, actually, he did play quite a lot midfield in TAC. So, yeah. so um, he's probably one I'd like to see, see how he is and to see that kind of form that he had comes back yeah but if you when you go to training and you see him leading out of the out of the 50 right you see him leading taking marks out of the 50 that kid just looks like poetry in motion him and Stuart, when they're running full pelt taking marks above their head is dead set poetry in motion so it's actually his kicking that for some reason it's gone off a bit uh, he was a, seemed to be a better kick this time last year i don't know what happened with his kicking this year but the, i i did like there was one um actually it was only like two or three games ago my favourite part of Laverde um, was the game where he had a shot on half time and he actually missed a sitter and Heppel was going to cons- console him and he actually you know dissed Heppel and threw his hand away. I was so upset, but I actually you know, underneath I go great. There's a real there's a bit of fire there. There's a fire co- yeah. and a competitor there and I actually. For some reason, I actually smiled and went. That's actually what I want to see. I yeah. want to see that, even though you're dissing the captain. <laughs> but uh, I actually really like that fire. I went okay. That's I, we can work with that. You know, that's what I wanted to see. But, By the way, um, just very quickly, I did have remember. I do remember ah, now. Okay. So the other two surgeries were David Myers and um, Josh Green. But they'll sorry, sorry, David. Sorry, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, they're very minor. So uh, everyone sounds like everyone's going to have a pretty much full preseason, which oh, is nice? is um, a real credit to Justin Crow and and um, boy, he was a. Of all the signings the last five years, he's probably been my favourite. I'll take that. Weird way. Absolutely. Um, one, he, one final note on on, uh, on Langford and Laverde, though. Last game, last season, it was Carlton, was it, when we played Carlton? Yeah, and it was the Langford and Laverde show. Langford and Laverde show. Now, I, I look at that, and that's the only game where I've seen Laverde or Langford do what is expected of a number seven and a number 11 pick or whatever he was, right? 18 and 20, yeah. Uh, or 18 and 20. <laughs> At least I didn't have to just check my phone a second to find You're suddenly thinking of the Francis <laughs> Parish pick then. That could be it. That, that, we won't, we'll, we'll edit that part out. No one will know. Um, I won't. That's fine. Uh, 
that's the game when I looked at those two players and went, wow, there's the kids that we got for high, our high draft picks. So I, I looked at that and went, Laverde was mobile. He can take marks. He can kick. Langford, same deal. If it hits the deck, he's great too. So I... Well, there's, there's no doubt Laverde's a better player than what he showed. Uh, and that's simply because he missed 15 weeks. I mean, that's continuity is the most... People, I, I always get frustrated because people, I don't think people underestimate just suddenly having your whole preseason cut and missing 15 games and then having to come back into senior footy and, and perform at that high level. So I kind of thought he would be a bit scratchy when he came back. So I'm not a little bit surprised that he's, but he's a much better player than his last five, six games. 100% so agree. I have, I have no, no doubt and I have full confidence we're going to see a much better Laverde. I'm wrapped that he's already in the gym. Uh. Um, so... Because him and Francis are the two massive X factors for me. Yeah, you look at both those kids and go, "Oh my lord!" I stood next to—I'm like six foot two and 102 many kilos—and I stood next to Francis. And there's not many people in this world that make me feel small. I stood next to Francis, and he—he's a big, big he's boy. a big, big unit, right? And that that kind of physical presence is rare. And you look next to Laverde and the kid can fed him jump out of the gym. So mm. we've got a couple of real diamonds that we've yet to see yeah. the the shine on the diamond. And I just think if they if they start to perform, look out. The the forward line and the and the center if Francis gets to run through there um is inevitably better. Um all right, so we're probably coming towards the end of the of the podcast today, and I'll, I guess we'll probably ask. Um, oh no, Scotty's got one more question. I'm going to talk. I know it'll be wrong of me because everyone kept on talking to me. You got to talk trades, so we're going to have a quick trades. Okay. Okay. So here's my little thoughts on trades. So to obviously to today, Dodoro spoke um, on a panel, and oddly enough, Stringer was on that panel as well, Ooh. and his manager. I'm not sure I got the reading right, but. It feels like it's between Essendon and Geelong who he's going to yeah. pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, he did note Stringer that he has a f- couple of people like Scarlett and that, and who he's close with at Geelong, which gave me a bit of pause. Uh, okay. Um, but there was definitely a five-two that Essendon's right in the mix. So I, I think it's sort of fifty-fifty at, at this stage. I'm still hesitant, and a lot of people disagree with me here. I'm still hesitant using pick eleven on him. Um, I'm, I'm, I still struggle with using pick 11 on a guy for two years who's been in and out of the side playing VFL and AFL. And he's got uh, some issues. Um, and he's got some baggage. And and look, I, look, just to give you some background, <laughs> I work in procurement. So when I do negotiations, I look at leverage. <laughs> and when the dogs put their hand up and say, we want to get rid of this guy, my ears... Um, everything goes Correct. ping, up. Yep. and I go bang. We've got you. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> if he right. nominates us, then sorry, you want him out of the club. Now the uh, the price is reduced. That's just me. That's how I operate. Hmm. Um, so I still think pick eleven's a bit too much. That's my personal view. Um, I know others will differ because they is three years ago he was the old Australian. So I understand they kicked fifty five or six goals. Yep. So potential yes, but it's now been two years that we haven't seen that come through and I still think you know we get, we gave away a second round for Hibbo who's an All-Australian yeah. this year so a little bit of fair's fair um, so whether they we had a player in a second round I'm not sure but Stringer I like the idea of getting Stringer because um, I'm hoping the pennies dropped with him and 
Look, if he plays to his potential... Again, he's, he's, a, he's a match winner. <laughs> he's a match winner, yeah. yeah. So, And he does have the ability for us to shuffle names... Which I like In other lot. areas of the yep. ground that we have weaknesses on. So I when agree. we talked with Rowan about maybe moving a Fantasia as a runner in the midfield. Now, people forget in 2016, his first 10 games, he Who's? played as a mid. Who's? Fantasia. Yeah. So, and he averaged 25 possessions a game. And that was his first time he ever no played mid. No trouble getting it. And he's a skinny kid. Yeah. So, I still think there's a lot of X factor in him in that position. Um, and he's got a touch of a midfielder's body. But what he does have is what we do lack a little bit in the midfield. He's class. And ex- an explosive first 20 to 25 metres. Yeah. So, I... Stringer to me is, is exciting for those for that move that he actually goes into a forward setup, and he could even he could even have they could even have a system where him Fantasia rotate, where they mm, both play. A I mid, agree. You know, maybe Fantasia plays more sixty seven percent mid, but it's a great rotation because they both can play that that kind of area. Mm. Um, Let us know your thoughts. I mean, the the lunchtime catch up at gmail.com. Let us know or um, uh, hit us up on the um, on Scotty's True to the Red Sash Facebook page. Let us know what you reckon. I mean, is is Stringer going to be the guy that we need? Is he going to put that X factor into our club? Is it something we should seriously go after? Do you want us to give up pick 11? Um, Let us know your feedback. We're getting a heap of emails um, through to the Gmail. We'd love reading you guys. What's the Gmail? The the, the lunchtime catch up at gmail.com. Um, we get a heap of feedback and a heap of emails, which we love reading. Thanks very much. Um, so send us your thoughts on that. Yeah, so look, as far as trading, I just the way Dodoro spoke, I suspect there's someone up his sleeve that no one's ever thought of. Yeah, um, like I just gaff or somebody like that. Well, there's been a few names with gaff, but boy, I hope not. Uh, uh, to me, he's he's a bit of he's a bit like Stanton, I guess, but. And that's not putting down Stanton. We just don't need a Stanton right mm. now. It's just more the players we actually need. The the only name I actually found of interest, well, there was a rumour, and I'm not going to give it too much credit, but there was a journalist who said that Sydney were very upset with that finals performance and Luke Parker again had failed oh, in... I heard had Luke failed in, Yeah, had failed in, in finals again. And he at 24, gee, I, I mean, I'd, I'd certainly ask the question because yeah. that's a midfield machine. Yeah, um, I, I could. Yeah, I've heard that too. So guys like that, I mean, I hope, <laughs> I kind of quietly hope there's someone that we've been talking to yeah. that is going to surprise people on trade week, and it happens. Yeah. Hawthorne always do it. Yeah, Swans usually do it. So uh, I'd love it. Um, Just hope we don't have to give up too much. No, that's the interesting yeah. one. But we do have a recent pick and pick eleven if we really had yeah. a quality player, and we and we have next year's first round pick that we can add on if as a sweetener if we yeah. need to if it's someone critical to the side. So yeah. um, there's not many other names. Um, Lever from Crows is obviously an interesting name. Um, Pretty much uh, stitched up by Melbourne, isn't he? It looks that way. I, yeah. I actually thought we might be closer than people think, only because of the connection with Wusher, who was. Who was obviously their sort of almost their main counselor after their okay. that their coach was lost his life, so um, I actually thought that would be an interesting connection. Um, would and has Wusher reached out to him and behind the scenes? Oh, yeah, but I um, they would. So look, for me, it's all about midfield. Um, obviously, Rowan. The rucks are the rucks are strong. We've got Louis and Belly. That's a strong spot. We've got Draper as well. And Draper coming through, he's getting a million taps a game in the in the <laughs> VFL last or two something. games. Yeah, he had over fifty 
to hit outs. The, the dirty great big pom. And and congratulations, mate. Come on. Um, the forwards, we've got a set up there. Um, we've got um, the backs. I still don't... I think the back's okay. Um, like I said, but I say it as more as I believe in the talent of Ridley and Francis if, yeah. they're, if they're fine. Yeah. That's why I think there's players, uh, younger players that can fill in of real class, of like a We've real replace Kelly. X factor. Um, yeah, but eventually we'll have to replace Bagley and Kelly's gone. So there's still some room, right. um, which is a lever. And McGrath. Of, We've yeah. got to replace McGrath. So exactly. So small back is is probably the main concern. The Eddie Betts. Jeez, it must be hard. Kind of world. Yeah, that's why I reckon we should build a statue to Adrian Dodoro at, at Tullamarine because he still gets criticism. Man, you know, I, I still I there's a lot it. of. He gets I really don't it. get it. How hard must it be every year when you've got a backline that's playing well? You know, Bagley's coming up soon. McGrath's out of there. Who was a star on the backline? Kelly's gone. Um, you, you've got to then replace those guys. You can't just. You don't can't just, yeah. Never underestimate. Uh, Merv Keane, Dodoro, and these guys to find guys in the rookie and in the in the leagues around Australia that might not be top ten picks. Yeah, but don't underestimate. We are one of the best clubs that find hidden talent around Australia. Hundred percent agree. So Hibbard, Bagley, there'll be names that we go. We don't even know. But then we didn't know Hibbard when he got drafted. We uh. didn't know Bagley when he got drafted. Yep. One's an All-Australian and one's the most reliable backman you would ever want. <laughs> um, so I, I do have faith. I think I think Essendon's a great club as far as rookies and, and everything like that. Now, um, so talking... I don't know if there's anyone else or there anything no, you man, want to bring I, up. No, I think we're pretty much done. I mean, we've spoken about trades on other, on other um, podcasts as well. And I guess... We, we we all know what we need. The the expert in Rowan um, has sort of has validated what we we're thinking as well. We need mids. We need more mids. 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 So I think we 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 can look forward to the to next year. And I'm I'm really looking forward to see what magic um, Dodoro can can pull out of this year because we we need it. And yep. I'm looking forward to seeing Langford in the in the forward in the midfield and and seeing what we do. Maybe Ridley gets a run. Maybe. Um, Begley's full time that sort of stuff so I'm really looking forward to it but as we wrap the pod t- podcast up for um, for this week Scotty the same question to you that I said to Ron um, who do you think will play in the GF and why okay so <laughs> I'm actually going to be a little bit like Rowan I think the Crows will thrash Geelong <sighs> I, I, I actually that's I'll probably bite my words there and Geelong will win <laughs> but yeah. I think the Crows are too good for Geelong over there. Um, I think Geelong may have had their grand final last week. I agree. Yep. Um, I, I, I think the Crows pl- are playing a little bit with an edge, and and that's probably maybe about historical stuff. But I think they're a very driven club, and I think they'll win easily this week. Gee, the Tigers and the Giants game. Oh. I'm so used to the t- Tigers choking at these big moments but it's not happening like i know i keep the every game i keep going it's the tigers. it's going to be this week it's been a great it's run. too big a pressure it's been a great run good on your tigers but it's too big a pressure but they're thrashing teams they're, they're playing really well so, <laughs> like really scary well look I, it's funny one with the tigers i'm actually a bit of a tigers fan like i i i noticed that that i never had growing up i must admit in my family, the Tigers Essendon rivalry. So and I always find it interesting because there's some real diehard Essendon fans mm. that are like, and I get it. Like it's just teams. For me, it's Hawthorne. Yep. Um, 
and a bit of Collingwood and Carlton. No, so I'm, I'm more, Haw- I'm more. But Hawthorne, I like hate, like yeah. just genuinely hate. can't stand the club. Yeah. Richmond, I've never really. Whether that's because they've never been successful. I agree. I think that's probably that. Probably. I've never really had that. Yeah. They've never really been a rival to me. So I, I, I kind of like the the romance of their army coming up and mm-hmm. and. And they will dead set. It will make an exciting grand final. No, oh, I'm all, I'm all about if Essendon's not in it, and Carlton, I don't never want in it because they're we're no. matching grand finals with them. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so if, I'm all about having a great day on grand final day and oh, having the best man. spectacle. If Richmond's in it, it will be a great day. It's a question I wanted to ask. So right I, finally. I'm going to tip them. Oh, sorry, because yeah. they keep proving me wrong. So I'm going to I'm going to tip them. Um, I think it'll be quite close. Um, I. GWS still got classy kids, uh, but um, oh, their main full forward being out. Um, Patton, not Patton, but the um, lob. No, <laughs> one of the, the even 15, better one. Of the fifteen Cameron, blokes have got Cameron. No, he's coming back this week. Is he? Yeah, he's coming back. Oh, I yeah, heard on radio today. Ah. Um, they're going to get Cameron back. Oh, he's okay. probably not going to be a hundred percent, but they'll yeah. get Cameron back. Oh, so. well, that that makes it a hard game. Yeah, so. but okay. So you reckon it's a? I think it's a Richmond, Richmond Adelaide. Grand final. And who wins it? I suspect then Adelaide just. Yeah. I just think Adelaide, again, I agree with Rohan, uh, with Rohan Rowan. Um, it's, they've got, uh, they're just a class above, just a little class above. So I get pretty much the same deal. I get the Tigers um, to to get through there. V Adelaide, um, we, uh, we're looking at, Looking at Scott's uh, Insta, not Instagram, Twitter, um, he's done the Who Do You Hope Wins the Grand Final um, survey. We've got the Tigers, Crows, Giants, or Cats. Out in front at the moment, we've got 33% to the Crows. Close. The Giants at 30% and the Tigers at 28 Now, I think, I wonder if that's who do you think will win um, the Grand Final more than who do you think who do you hope will. Um, but it's uh, 430 I was interested votes. to see where, where I guess, because obviously my... My Twitter base is mostly Essendon, so yeah. I, was, I was actually interested to see where their hearts are at. And what yeah. A lot of them just said, "You need a I don't care button," and <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> because we're not in it, and I yeah. understand that. But I was just actually interested to see what's the what's what's the dynamic here. But really, it's there was five percent between three clubs, so yeah, yeah. It, it was a little bit even. But the the I guess the cats were the least. By far, so yeah, yeah. they're, they're not going to make it, but that's why I reckon Adelaide will probably just get past the Tigers. But oh my lord, wouldn't you love to see the Tigers win it? I, I, I swear the MCG will explode. Richmond yeah. supporters will explode. I work with a bloke um, that's a massive Tiger fan. I don't expect him at, at work for the week. I really don't. No. He's he's a fanatical Tiger bloke, and I don't expect him at work for the rest of the week. So. I sincerely hope the Tigers get through and, 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 mate, I hope they win it, but I think it's Adelaide's year. And look, just so you know, if this is episode 11, look, we'll start probably wrapping up. We might have one on trade week as far yeah. as for you, for you Essendon fans. Um, we're looking also to do a few other podcasts that may be of a bit of a difference, um, but we'll do one probably around um, sort of trade week um, for Essendon fans. Yeah. But it will be, obviously it's a season, so we'll be won't be sort of an every week kind of situation. We'll do it when there's sort of key events as far as an Essendon kind of style podcast. Yeah. Um, but we're looking to also do a bit of an NBA and, and, and NFL and all those kind of sports yeah, as well in, in, in the off season. Yeah. So look, thanks to everyone. Look for those who listen to us on iTunes. 
Um, we would love to see your reviews. Um, hit subscribe. Uh, hit subscribe to the podcast. It's the best way to get um, notifications of a new podcast. Um, we'd love a review um, yep. to, to hear what you think of us. That's great. Keep your uh, feedback coming into the lunchtime catch up at gmail.com. We really love hearing from you guys and, and suggestions that you've got for the podcast. Um, thanks to Scotty for, for organizing that incredible guest in, in Rowan Connolly for us today. So um, we, we love to hear back your, your feedback about Rowan and, and who else you might like to for us to get onto the show. Um, what are we doing well? What aren't we doing well? So, um, we're, yeah, we really we really appreciate uh, the the feedback from all your listeners. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, that's a wrap up for episode eleven. Um, I'll keep you updated when the next podcast will happen. But enjoy the finals. Enjoy the public holiday, which we never should never have. But enjoy it <laughs> but anyway because it. it's but we'll take it. Yeah. Um, have fun and catch you very soon. See you guys.